0: Do you understand the order of the executive committee? Yes, sir, I understand the central committee has ordered me to sign an affidavit stating that a candidate got 30% who did not.
1: Um, that would be fraud, right? Right congressman? Yeah. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling there's something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I wonder how I get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me Jokers to the right Here I am stuck in the middle with you Yep Stuck in From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Also in California, on Red Bluff and, in Red Bluff and Redding, California, on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Kalenville, New York's WLPP, in Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, in Gallup, New Mexico, where they have extended their lockdown for three more days on KNIZ, in Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, And Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets, even during pandemics. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from Bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, just a warning here, right off the top, uh, we have got our latest Green News report coming up later in the show, uh, near the end. And, well, um, I wouldn't listen to it.
2: Uh, okay. I,
1: I wouldn't. I just It's it's too disturbing I think after what eleven or so years? How long we've we been doing the Green News Report?
2: About eleven years. Yeah,
1: I I think we have reached peak GNR today. Okay, I, it's mad. You shouldn't listen. It's too upsetting. And It's of course, too disturbing.
2: I will disagree with that, and thank you, of course, should listen.
1: Well, I, you know, I can't watch Desi Doyen. I can't watch any uh, TV these days. That's too intense, which pretty much includes everything except Sesame Street. I think, <laughs> for the most part, I, I just there's so much going on these days that, well, you know, I'm just just you know, fair warning, fair warning, not good news. In uh, it's apocalyptic, in fact, in but our GNR funny. today. But it's funny. We'll see. Anyway, uh, also disturbing, a uh, well-known Republican congressman is caught on tape forcing another official to falsify election results. We will have that story, and yes, that audio tape coming up in a bit, and it's pretty amazing. And in a normal world, which this is not, the congressman, frankly, would have submitted his resignation and perhaps even been arrested by now. But as you may have noticed, we no longer live in a normal world, not by a long shot. People becoming uh, desperate when uh, 33.3 million Americans find themselves out of work. That's not normal. That is the case that was announced today with more than three million more Americans applying for unemployment claims over the past week. That's the seventh week in a row now that weekly jobless claims have topped one million. In fact, for those seven weeks, they've topped three million every every single time without there being any historical record of weekly jobless claims ever. Topping 1 million even once, much less seven weeks in a row. This is not normal. And I know it's sort of becoming normal. We're hearing each week, oh, 3.2 million, 4.1, 6.9 million weekly jobless claims. None of that is normal. Seven weeks in a row now with anywhere from 3 to 6 million claims each and every week with at now at least 20% of the workforce out of work across the country. We are easily in Great Depression territory for unemployment right now. And that is decidedly not normal. Donald Trump's first national security advisor, Lieutenant uh, Colonel Michael Flynn, I think Trump is on his fourth uh, national security adviser right now, but I've lost track. That is also not normal. Flynn, who pleaded guilty of lying to federal officials about his contacts with Russian agents before Donald Trump took office and lying about being a Turkish agent. Eventually retracted his guilty plea just before his sentencing, and this afternoon the Justice Department, led by Trump sycophant Bill Barr, has announced that the DOJ is simply dropping the case. They will not pursue their indictments uh, at trial, even though Flynn admitted his guilt on multiple occasions. That is decidedly also not normal. The chair of the House Judiciary Committee, Jerry Nadler, issued a statement saying the decision to drop charges against General Flynn is outrageous. The evidence against Flynn is overwhelming. He pleaded guilty to lying to investigators. And now a politicized and thoroughly corrupt Department of Justice is going to let the president's crony simply walk away says Nadler. Americans are right to be furious and worried about the continued erosion of our rule of law. We are not supposed to get special treatment because we are friends with the president or refuse to cooperate with federal investigators on his behalf. The decision to overrule the special counsel is without precedent says Nadler, and requires immediate explanation. In other words, no, that is not normal either. I have uh, noted a number of times on this program that this coronavirus epidemic, which is still getting worse, not better, even as Donald Trump and Republicans are continuing to pretend otherwise and opening up a... A number of GOP states around the country for business long before any actual health or science experts advise them to do so, and in fact advise against, I've argued that this epidemic is one that Trump and Fox News and the Republicans that do their bidding and vice versa, that they cannot simply lie this one away or pretend this one away. As they have with so many other matters during the Trump presidency, they can't just wish it away. They can't vote it away with a bare majority in Congress. They can't lie it away. They can't pretend it away. The numbers and the death toll are going to be what they're going to be. No matter what it is that Donald Trump uh, tries to pretend and what the Republicans, the governors around the country try to pretend. It's not just going to go away. But maybe I was wrong. Maybe I misunderstood their ability to uh, pretend it away because, hey, if we shut down reporting on the infection rate and the death toll and or we question both of them, maybe the infection rate and the death toll don't even exist at all. Now, one might think that even if the White House wants to pretend it away, that the infections and the deaths will actually continue And will be reported on at least by local media outlets as people look around their town and they see the infections and the deaths in their own community. But, of course, we um, helpfully are also in the middle of a news apocalypse right now with hundreds of local media outlets having closed down before the pandemic and now hundreds more having done so since the epidemic. Since it has shut down restaurants and movie theaters and other events that make up much of the advertising base for these small local papers around the country. So, you know, in the same way that one might question uh, if a tree falls in the forest, but nobody's there to hear it, did it actually make a sound? Well, we might ask in the same way, if a pandemic kills thousands of people, but nobody is there to track it or report it, did it actually happen at all? Who knows? Yes, those are now real questions today, as pretending it away now seems to be the administration's and and their GOP sycophants' uh, new plan for dealing with this pandemic. So, yes, maybe I was wrong. Desi, you heard me say it. Maybe I was wrong. I I know it's rare, but yeah. I'll mark it down on the history books. Yes, put it in your calendar. Uh, Maybe they can pretend it away after all. We've got a few disturbing examples of that today. The Arizona Department of Health Services, uh, it's an agency of the Republican Governor Doug Ducey, told a team of university experts working on COVID-19 modeling to, quote, pause their work. That, according to an email from a department leader obtained and published by ABC15 in Arizona and covered by the Arizona Republic, a local paper that is still in business, thankfully. The modeling team of about two dozen professors at Arizona State University and the University of Arizona was compiling the most robust public model in Arizona of the COVID-19 epidemic. The email from the State Health Services Bureau Chief of Public Health health statistics this would be a man by the name of s robert bailey came on monday evening after governor ducey announced uh, plans to begin easing social uh, social distancing in the state in the coming days the state is instead instead of relying on the most advanced model from the uh, university of arizona and arizona state university instead they're relying on models from the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA. This model has not been released to the public. Supposedly, but we don't know, the FEMA model is based on statistics from the CDC, the federal CDC. But again, we don't know because the model has not been released to the public. So yes, they are relying, or claim to be relying anyway, on a model that nobody has seen, nobody has been able to see, at least among the public that i guess they are claiming somehow supports their reopening of businesses in the state though without the release of that information it seems highly unlikely that that information would actually support that otherwise why wouldn't they release it and it's and remarkably they have also stopped their own local modeling by some of the most Expert people in the state at two different universities who have been working on their modeling for the state, by the way, for free, as I understand it. But they've stopped them from doing that. The university's model had shown that reopening at the end of May... Not right now at the beginning or the middle of May, but at the end of May was the only scenario among several that did not dramatically increase cases in Arizona well. So we better shut that model right down. Too many facts, too much evidence and stuff like that in it. It might lead people to not wanting to venture out and die in Arizona from the coronavirus. In late April, Tim Lant, a uh, a mathematical epidemiologist at ASU, said the model showed five different scenarios for how the disease could progress in Arizona, depending on how social distancing efforts were relaxed. The slowest curve, based on if the state opens at the end of May, is, quote, the only one that doesn't put me immediately back on an exponential growth curve said Lant in April. I can say scientifically, no, it is not safe to reopen unless you're planning on, you know, shutting down again in a, after a couple of weeks, he said. The head of Arizona's health service wrote the uh, that uh, health department leadership asked the team to pause all work on projections and modeling and that the department would also be ending access to special data sets that the modeling team had been using for their efforts.
2: So they're cutting them off from the data, too.
1: Right. Even if they wanted to, you know, at home on their free time, if they wanted to continue these models, they couldn't do it because they're holding back the data so they can't even do it on their own.
2: Because secrecy in a pandemic is an excellent way to encourage public trust.
1: Yep. And the Arizona government is uh, trying to present, trying to pretend that the epidemic uh, is going away somehow. They're just pretending it away and they're hiding the numbers, including the expected infection and death rates in order to do so. Bailey. The uh, head of the uh, health, the state health agency uh, thanked the modeling team, said it has, quote, produced very high quality results. And these have been very helpful in guiding and informing the decision making process. But we no longer need your high quality results, I guess. We've got secret results of unknown quality that we would prefer to use at this time. Uh, A spokesman for Governor Ducey said the modeling we are utilizing going forward is developed by FEMA and CDC and ensures our hospital have capacity for any situation. He said all our decisions are guided by data as well as the recommendations of the CDC and public health officials. This will continue to be the case. Democratic State Rep. Kelly Butler of Phoenix said on Twitter that the move was, quote, incredibly troubling. So fewer experts and even less transparency as Governor Ducey opens Arizona, Butler wrote in a blog post on the Arizona Public Arizona Public Health Association's website The group's director, Will Humble, wrote that the move was astonishing. He said the model was, quote, very solid work being done by top talent in the field that is very useful for decision making purposes. He noted that the email from Bailey did not even cite any specific reasons for the work to stop, aside from that it was the request of the department's leadership. Humble wrote last night's action to disband the Arizona COVID-19 modeling workgroup begs the question whether the modeling work group was producing results that were inconsistent with other messaging and decisions being made by the executive branch. So Arizona is now hoping to pretend the epidemic away by hiding the numbers, hiding the reality, hiding the evidence, hiding the data. Including the expected infection and death rate, but they can't hide the number of people that actually die, can they? Well, they certainly can. Uh, At least they're going to try at least if the White House and the President of the United States have anything to do with it, they are going to try. As Axios reported last night, President Trump has complained to advisers about the way coronavirus deaths are being calculated, suggesting the real numbers are actually lower. And a number of his senior aides, reportedly, according to Axios, share that view. That, according to sources with direct data, Direct knowledge, reports Axios, a senior administration official said he expects the president to begin publicly questioning the death toll as it closes in on his predictions for the final death count and damages him politically. So if you didn't already read this on Axios, uh, maybe you heard it here first. This will happen in the coming days. They will be adding questions about what you can and can't believe when it comes to that death toll number. The end result, they hope, they hope that you don't know who to believe in the end, that you throw up your hands, you decide to, you know, it's quote unquote, both sides are liars. I don't know. That's the plan. That's what works for these guys. That's also, by the way, uh, as you know, Des, how Republicans have avoided the consequences of climate change oh, for so many years. They just put out so many signs. We can't trust it. We have to study. Who knows who's telling the truth here? It's all so confusing. Nobody knows.
2: All they have to do is raise fear, uncertainty, and doubt. They don't actually have to prove anything. That's how they've gotten away with it on climate change. Yep. It's what they plan to do here on coronavirus. I mean, it's old Soviet Union-level tactics to try to pretend that what you see and what you hear is not true, and you should believe the good old government of the Soviet Union who <laughs> will tell you what is actually—I mean, it's, it's actually like 1984 or, well, yep. 1984, the Ministry yeah. of Truth will tell you
1: what it's, to believe. It's how they got away with, uh, remember, Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico. The, they were able to largely ignore accountability for the thousands that died in that hurricane because, oh, I don't believe those numbers. Remember Donald Trump? Yep. He didn't accept the numbers. So that's just about where we are in this thing. Bet on it. Bet on it in the days ahead. And you can remember, you heard it here first in the broadcast. The U.S. death toll has, in reality, surpassed 75 1,000 human beings, people, uh, with more than 1.2 million confirmed cases now. That, according to the latest figures from Johns Hopkins, which is universally agreed to be too low, not too high, but too low in their figures. There is no evidence the death rate has been exaggerated, and experts believe the coronavirus deaths in the U.S. are being undercounted, not overcounted, according to Axios. The um, official they spoke to said that Trump has vented that the numbers seem inflated. They seem inflated. So therefore, they must be inflated. Are they inflated over that 15, which will soon be down to zero in a few days? Well, yeah, they are higher than that at 75,000, Mr. Trump. A senior White House official pushed back, saying uh, this of the president's thinking skepticism isn't the right way to frame it. The numbers have been revised up to include presumptive cases, meaning deaths that are believed to be related to COVID, but not known for sure. So that, uh, I guess, uh, would presumably include about 3,000 people who died in nursing homes in New York all right around the same time, who were all added to the death toll after 3,000 of them suddenly died at the same time in nursing homes in the middle of a pandemic. But I'm sure they just all fell and broke their hip at the same time. That's probably what happened. Had nothing to do with the coronavirus. Who knows if it does? Another senior administration official said that this concern about the death count was uh, not confined only to Donald Trump and was in fact shared by a number of his senior staff and has been the subject of discussion for weeks. And I'm sure that it has been. I can hear it now. How do we how do we lie our way out of this one? Well, we could question the death numbers, but we've got no evidence to prove that they're wrong. Doesn't matter. Just question them, damn it. That's good enough. Fox News will take care of the rest. The official said America's out of practice of how to deal with something like this and to report it accurately. We're not getting good data. We're, we're out of practice, Des. Yeah. We can't possibly count the number of dead people from this. We haven't had a pandemic since 1918. Donald Trump calls it 1917 because there was a movie that came out recently with that uh, title, but it was actually 1918, last time we had a pandemic, at least on, uh, on this scale. So we're out of practice. We don't know how to do it. In fact, the number of people dying over the past few weeks in many parts of the country is a lot higher than the average uh, of the uh, various death tolls out there, suggesting that the official count of coronavirus related deaths is still missing tens of thousands of people because there's a certain seasonal average that happens this time of year, every year, a certain range. And we are much, much higher than that average, even after you remove the number of people that are confirmed to have had COVID-19 and died from it. Until mid-April, a person was only identified as having died from coronavirus if they had tested positive for the virus and then died. If they died before getting that test, like 3,000 of them in, in, in New York nursing homes, then they wouldn't have been included in the total And that's one of the uh, complaints that Donald Trump has about this 75,000 number. Really? Is that a problem, Mr. President? Okay, take it out. Take out those 3,000. It was only 72,000 that died. 72,000 Americans who died on your watch because you ignored it, because you didn't care, because you didn't want it to be true, because you wanted to pretend it away. Experts, in fact, believe the formal death count is inaccurately low because testing problems uh, persisted for so long and still persist. Some states don't count probable deaths like those 3000 in those nursing homes who, by the way, did not all fall at one time and break a hip and die also because there are still thousands of excess deaths that are unexplained, that are far higher than the seasonal average for this time of year even after accounting for probable coronavirus cases so even after they included those 3,000 from those nursing homes there are still higher numbers far higher numbers than the seasonal average that maybe it's just a coincidence that they suddenly spiked this time of year In the meantime, remember that Arizona said they would now be relying on the CDC for their information, not those losers at Arizona State University and the University of Arizona. They're going to rely on the CDC for information regarding the safety of opening the state back up for business. But here's the problem. They may not be allowed to see what the CDC is actually advising. As AP is reporting today, the Trump administration shelved a document created by the nation's top disease investigators with step-by-step advice for local and state authorities on how and when to reopen restaurants and other public places during the still raging coronavirus outbreak. The 17-page report by a CDC team titled Guidance for Implementing the Opening Up America Again Framework I know it's not the greatest name in the world, but that's uh, Donald Trump's Opening Up America Again. So this is the guidance for implementing the Opening Up America Again framework. The uh, guidance that so yeah.
2: many had been asking for.
1: Correct. It's a 17-page report. It was researched, written to help faith leaders, business owners, educators, state and local officials as they begin to, reopening, to reopen. It was supposed to be published last Friday, but agency scientists were told the guidance, quote, would never see the light of day, unquote. That according to a CDC official. The official was not authorized to talk to reporters and spoke to the AP on the condition of anonymity. AP obtained a copy of that report from a second federal official who was also not authorized to release it. But clearly there are people at the CDC who want to get out what the hell is going on inside this administration. And thankfully they're leaking to the media The uh, Trump administration has been closely controlling the release of guidance and information during the pandemic, spurred by a new coronavirus that scientists are still trying to understand, with the president himself leading freewheeling daily briefings, at least until last week. AP notes that traditionally it has been the CDC's role to give the public and local officials guidance and science-based information during public health crises like this, During this one, however, the CDC has not had a regular pandemic-related news briefing in nearly two months. Imagine that. In two months, we've not had a briefing directly from the CDC. I wonder why. I guess they're just busy. They must be busy working on something. They didn't have time. (sighs) CDC has always been the public health agency Americans turn to in a time of crisis, said Dr. Howard Coe, a Harvard professor and former health official in the Obama administration during the H1N1 N1 swine flu pandemic back in 2009. The standard in a crisis is to turn to them, for the, to the CDC, for the latest data and latest guidance and the latest press briefings. That has not occurred, and everyone sees that, says Dr. Coe. Well, maybe not everyone Maybe not everyone. Maybe there are a few folks who haven't noticed the fact that uh, it's not the CDC giving you this information. It's people like Donald Trump talking about injecting yourself with disinfectant. And Mike Pence talking about whatever the hell it is that Mike Pence says. The Trump administration has instead sought to put the onus on to states. It's not the federal government's fault. It's the states. Let them handle the COVID-19 response and, of course, states like Arizona, who the Trump administration says should handle this, they are saying that they are relying on the CDC. Yes, the federal government. They're just not showing you what, if anything, from the CDC that they're actually relying on. And documents like this that were uncovered by AP, which explain how to safely open churches and places of business and schools, those documents apparently are not being given, give, given to them at all. Because Trump is preventing that advice from getting out, keeping that document from seeing the light of day because it counters his need to open up the country at all costs because his re- re-election is not just going to win itself this year, you know. Never mind how many Americans will will die to make that happen. The rejected reopening guidance was described by one of the federal officials as a touchstone document Uh, that was to be used as a blueprint for other groups inside the CDC who are creating similar types of instructional materials for other facilities. The guidance contained detailed advice for making site-specific decisions, for example, relating to reopening schools and restaurants and summer camps and churches and daycare centers and other institutions where this information would be helpful, even in a state where they are prematurely opening up these places. The document had been widely shared within the CDC and included detailed decision trees, flow charts to be used by local officials to think through different scenarios. The guidance offered specific, tailored recommendations for reopening in one place so let's not let that out let's not let the states have that information when they're reopening for example the report suggested restaurants and bars should install sneeze guards at cash registers and avoid having buffets salad bars and drink stations well don't let anyone see that sneeze guards cost money The uh, shelved report also said that uh, as restaurants start seating diners, they should space tables at least six feet apart. They should try to use a phone app technology to alert a patron when their table is ready rather than uh, passing out uh, the use of buzzers and so forth. That makes sense. That would be useful.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. That's just information that's too radical, too impossible for people to understand. We must withhold that from them. It
1: must not see the light of day. Thankfully, we still have the AP, and this document has now seen the light of day. They included that uh, document in their article. So people who actually give a damn about keeping other Americans alive can actually, you know, read it and use it. The White Ho- Meanwhile, the White House's own Opening Up America Again guidelines released last month were far more vague than the CDC's unpublished report, They instructed state and local governments to reopen in accordance with federal and local, quote, regulations and guidance and to monitor employees for symptoms of covid-19. But in the meantime, nobody's actually following those uh, guidelines that were released last month by the White House. At a briefing on Wednesday, White House spokesperson uh, Kaylee Mc... Uh, what's her name now? I don't even know. She's the mm, press I sh- secretary.
2: I say McEnany. Kay-
1: Kaylee McEnany. She echoed the administration's stance that states are most responsible for their own COVID-19 response. It's a governor-led effort, she said. It's a state-led effort, which the federal government will consult, and we do so each and every day, she said. Sure. We consult. We just don't give them the world's best information compiled by the nation's top experts. So good luck, suckers. See you in November. The New York Times followed up on AP's report today, noting the White House and other administration officials rejected the CDC's uh, recommendations for things like using disposable dishes and utensils at restaurants, closing every other row of seats in in, in buses and subways separating children at school and camps into groups that don't mix throughout the day. But the White House uh, rejected that, says the Times, over concerns that they were overly prescriptive. They infringed on religious rights and they risked further damaging an economy that Mr. Trump was banking on to recover quickly. Mind you, they were too prescriptive. They were not mandates. They were not requirements. They were guidance. They were helpful tips on how to keep your residents alive. Meanwhile, the paper reports more than half of states have begun to reopen their economies or they plan to do soon, but most fail to even meet the much vaguer criteria that the Trump administration has recommended. In more than half of the states that are easing restrictions, case counts are trending upward, not downward. Positive test results are on the rise or... Both raising concerns among public health experts, concerns that I'm sure that can simply be pretended away. Who listens to those eggheads anyway? That's where we are. Let's take a quick break and we will come back with something that Colorado's Republican U.S. Congressman Ken Buck may have some trouble simply pretending away. Because it's on tape. But don't worry, he will try. And yes, it's him demanding another Republican falsify election results. That story and that tape is straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. and thanks.
0: Come with me and you'll be in a
1: world
0: of pure imagination. Take a look and
1: you'll see into
0: your imagination.
1: Republican Party theme song? Maybe. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, here's one that Republican Ken Buck of Colorado may have a very difficult time imagining himself out of. But I'm sure he'll try. Colorado Republican Party chair and wingnut U.S. Congressman Ken Buck pressured a local party official to submit incorrect election results to set the primary ballot for a state Senate seat, according to an audio recording of a conference call obtained by the Denver Post. Once again... Another good reason why we need to support local newspapers, whether it's the Arizona Republic that we covered in the past segment, who, by the way, I'm not crazy about the Arizona Republic, but I sure as hell I'm glad that they are there. Yes. And they did a good job on that story. The Denver Post has done a great job here. Please subscribe to your local paper if you don't mind, at least for the duration. We need them right now. We really do. Eli Bremer, the GOP chair for State Senate District 10, told the Denver Post on Wednesday, confirming the authenticity of the recording, quote, You've got a sitting congressman, a sitting state party chair who is trying to bully a volunteer. I'm a volunteer, he said. I don't get paid for this. Trying to bully a volunteer into committing a crime to say it's damning is an understatement, he said. And again, that's the GOP chair for the state Senate District 10. He's a Republican talking about the state Republican Party chair and Congressman Ken Buck. Buck says that he was merely asking Bremer to abide by a committee decision. That's all at issue is the Republican primary for the District 10 seat. This is a state Senate seat currently held by State Senator Owen Hill. He's he's uh, term limited. State uh, Rep. Larry Liston and GOP activist David Stiver both ran for this this seat. To qualify for the November ballot via the uh, caucus and assembly process, a candidate must receive 30% of the vote from Republicans within the district. And during a uh, district assembly in March, Liston... The state rep received 75% of the vote, while the activist David Steyer received only 24%. Now, you will note, even if you're math challenged, you probably understand that 24% is less, less than 30%, the 30% that is required to be on the ballot. So uh, one got 75, the other one got 24 percent, according to documents that were filed later in Denver District Court over all of this. Stiver uh, complained. He said the election was unfair to him and the issue was taken up with the state uh, party's uh, central committee, which uh, agreed this, at least according to Buck in an interview, Congressman Buck. Uh, is what he said on Wednesday, uh, leading to this exchange between Congressman Buck, the state Republican Party chair, uh, and Eli Bremer.
0: Do you understand the order of the executive committee and the central committee that you will submit uh, the paperwork uh, to uh, include Mr. Stivers and Mr. Liston on the ballot with Mr. Liston receiving the top line vote? Uh, yes, sir. I understand that the uh, Central okay. Committee has adopted a resolution that requires me to sign a false affidavit to the state. Yes. And, and will you do so? I will, I will seek legal counsel as I am being asked to sign an affidavit that states Mr. Seiber received 30% of the vote. I need to seek legal counsel to find out if I am putting myself in jeopardy of a misdemeanor for doing that. And you understand that I will consult the, with counsel. the Central Committee that you do so? Yes, yeah, sir. I understand the Central Committee has ordered me to sign an affidavit David, stating that a candidate got 30% who did not, and I will seek legal counsel and and determine if I am able to legally follow that. All right, Mr. Bremer I understand your, your position. <laughs> uh, we will now move on.
2: I understand your position yeah. that you do not wish to put yourself in legal jeopardy by lying for us on a legal document. By
1: falsifying election results on a legal document under penalty of law.
2: Yeah. That seems
1: just remarkable. Unbelievable. Yeah. And of course, he does. If you take what Buck says, literally, he does understand his position because Buck is actually a lawyer himself. Yeah, he's a lawyer himself. And he's ordering this guy to falsify election results. Uh, He told the Post uh, on Wednesday, Buck did, that it's the tradition in both parties for their committees to make these sorts of decisions, to, you know, just fudge the numbers as needed to get what they want, no matter what uh, people say when they vote and stuff. What does voting mean anyway? Really, when you think about it. Uh,
2: and what does a legally binding signature mean? Yeah, what's I an, mean?
1: an affidavit, a legal, yeah. Um, Buck said, uh, what I was asking Eli to do was not to commit fraud. I was asking Eli if he understood the decision of the Central Committee and if he was willing to follow the request of the Republican Central Committee.
2: To commit fraud. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
1: The assembly process to select the District 10 candidates carried out uh, as coronavirus was quickly spreading throughout the state was flawed, said Buck. It was flawed. It wasn't right. So we're just going to go with with whatever we want to go with. He said, we have two choices. We're going to allow an unfair election to stand or we're going to require the chairman of the Senate district to put the candidate's name on the ballot and let the primary voters decide. Bremer, Never filed that paperwork. Three days after the phone call with Buck, the district's vice chair filed a fr- quote friendly lawsuit, according to Bremer, to prevent him from doing so. Bremer told the court he had no position on it, but he would abide by whatever the court decided. Well, district court chief judge Michael Martinez ruled on Monday that any certificate of designation filed with the secretary of state's office showing Stiver as a candidate would violate state law because he did not receive at least 30 percent of the district's votes, as uh, Bremer was being asked to attest to by a sitting U.S. congressman. The state Republican Party appealed the case. Oh
2: boy! Yes, that's some gall.
1: To the Colorado Supreme Court Uh, on Tuesday, they uh, declined to hear the case, which means the lower court ruling stands. And yes, Bremer was right not to violate the law by falsifying an election result at the direction of U.S. Congressman Ken Buck. Uh, Seth uh, Maskett, political science professor at the University of Denver, told the. By the way, had this been. Could you imagine had this been any Democratic congressperson? Uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, AOC. I mean, pick any one of them who was caught on tape ordering another Democratic Party official to falsify an election. They'd be gone. They'd be gone by now. Ten buck is still there. And I suspect uh, this story is going to disappear in about an hour, if it lasts that long.
2: Seems like he should be disbarred for it, for suggesting somebody commit a crime. He's a lawyer promoting illegality like that. He and sh- it's it's very much like Trump he- and Republicans. If you don't like the numbers, then just lie about that. He
1: should be disbarred. He should be removed as the Republican Party chair of the state of Colorado.
2: And he should resign as and a congressman. And he should
1: resign as congressman. And I hope to hell that the voters uh, in his district in Colorado pay attention to this and vote him out of office, but it's in a really right-wing district, and they probably won't. Anyway, Seth Maskett, a political science professor at the University of Denver, told The Post there are plenty of examples within Colorado and elsewhere of party leaders pressuring subordinates to sort of fudge this or change their views on things. But he says it's very rare that you see someone directly ordering someone to commit a crime. Joe Webb, the former chair of the Jefferson County Republican Party, said he counted the votes for the District 10 race and Buck's comments angered him so badly that he hung up the phone. He said Eli was being asked, and this is very serious, to attest to something as true when he knew that it was false, according to Webb. There's a word for that in legal jargon. It's called perjury, he said. Buck uh, is a former, not just any lawyer, he's a former district attorney.
2: Hmm. Well, it does make you wonder, then, what else he's been doing in his activities as district attorney.
1: As district attorney, Webb said he should have known better. And, of course, I'm sure that he did. But oh, he did he not did. care because, frankly, Republicans, A, hate democracy, and B, hate the rule of law even more. And now we have a very good example of it caught on tape. At a minimum, Bremer said, Buck owes him an apology. Well, I should say so. He said, how in the heck is the Republican Party going to go out and say we're for the rule of law, except when it applies to us? We can do whatever we want to. Bremer said, that's not my Republican Party.
2: Surprise, honey. Well, it is. yeah,
1: really, uh, Mr. Bremer, it is now. It has been, by the way, for some time. I'm sorry that you, you haven't noticed up till now. But thanks at least for doing the right thing here for democracy and for the rule of law. Un. Believable. Keep that tape handy, Desi. We may need that uh, in the uh, weeks and months ahead, I have a feeling. All right, let's take a quick break. And we are back with the latest Green News report. Oh, boy. Uh, In which everything seems to be falling apart. As I said earlier, if I was you, I would not listen to it.
2: Don't listen to him.
1: Don't listen! Don't listen to the to the Green News Report. <laughs>
2: no, don't listen to you. Oh, don't
1: listen to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm in the Green News Report, so if you don't want to listen to me, you have to stop listening now. But you know, so I say don't listen. But it does include monster hornets, so there is that. Buckle up, Desi Doyen and the Apocalyptic Green News Reporter. Straight ahead on today's broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman.
0: Don't they know it's the end of the world? Because you yeah. don't love me.
1: It is the end of the world. world. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. As apocalyptic as as it seems to me that uh, your uh, Green News report is, Desi Doyen, yeah. we couldn't fit in everything. Uh, <laughs> it, it's uh, as We have this uh, late-breaking news. Uh, As if, you know, the GNR isn't apocalyptic enough. Uh, And as I said, it's way more apocalyptic than anyone should have to hear. But we have this in late today. A May snowstorm is in the making for this weekend, and it could bring historic snow totals to parts of the interior northeast and New England in May. On Friday, a storm system moving into the northeast will clash with bitter cold Arctic air, courtesy of the polar vortex, bringing the potential for heavy, uh, wet snow to the region. Widespread snowfalls will range from a dusting to six to eight inches in some spots, while isolated areas in extreme northern New England could see up to a foot in May. Yes. Yes. If this happens, it will shatter May snowfall records, NBC reports. In addition to the rain and snow, it will be very windy with gusts over 40 miles per hour across the entire northeast region and eastern seaboard through Saturday. About 45 million people are already under freeze watches. Freeze watches? And warnings from the upper Midwest to the Appalachians, these will likely expand. The cold air that will be responsible for the snow in the Northeast and New England will be record-shattering, they say. More than 50 record lows could be set or tied after Saturday and Sunday, with that cold air stretching all the way down into the Deep South. By Saturday morning, 75 million people will wake up to temperatures below freezing in May
2: yes it's very unusual but also it's not the end only, of the world end not of the only world. is it going to be record cold potentially on the northeast it's yeah. going to be record heat in the southwest
1: fantastic
2: the nation is divided the, and basically <laughs> well, it certainly is <laughs> it most definitely is yeah um this is partly because of the uh extraordinary heat that has built up in the ocean we've had near record ocean temperatures which provides all this fuel for that storm that is projected to hit the northeast and may even become like a bomb cyclone of a sort and also because of global warming and how we have mm-hmm. uh, messed up the jet stream at the north pole and yeah. the polar vortex you can go look up the specific mechanism behind that but that is the reason why the polar vortex the jet stream is wobbled and it's going to dip way down south like it uh-huh. would normally do in the winter time but we didn't really have a winter this so year. so
1: what you're saying is that there is science that explains this yes instead of the real truth the real facts that this is just the apocalypse coming and that uh, this is just one more piece of evidence for the apocalypse, right? Well,
2: I wouldn't call it the apocalypse. I would would just say extreme weather of the nature that climate scientists have been predicting that we would see for decades because of man-made global warming. (laughs) The
1: end of the world, all the plagues that are coming. I think that's what it is, as uh, evidenced in today's Green News Report. Even if we completely stop emitting greenhouse gases today, we will continue to feel the effects of a warmer world.
2: Man-made global warming will render some regions unlivable within 50 years, new study warns. Siberian forest burning at rates not seen in 10,000 years.
1: Who saw it 10,000 years ago? Plus, it looks like something out of a horror film with a name to match.
2: Murder hornets. Yes, Murder hornets, giant invasive bee-killing hornets confirmed in the United States.
1: All of those stories... And more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman.
2: And I'm Desi Doyen.
1: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. These hornets grow up to two inches long, roughly five times the size of a bee. The mandibles,
0: they're very, very sharp. I mean, that's what they use to decapitate bees. And then they'll mash up the thorax into a into a meatball, they call it, and fly it back to feed their larvae. What?
1: The actual couldn't <laughs> have said it better myself. This is your Green News Report.
2: I'm gonna soak up the sun.
1: Okay, Desi Doyen. Um I think at this point Mother Nature is just trying to tell us to get the hell out of here or something. I mean, this is insane. Murder hornets? Really?
2: Yes, a global pandemic, a plague of locusts. If you didn't have murder hornets on your apocalypse bingo card, you can be excused. I guess. It's a giant invasive species of hornet from Asia, nicknamed murder hornets. It has somehow arrived in the United States with four confirmed sightings in Washington state. These hornets grow up to two inches long, roughly five times the size of a bee, and in Japan, where they originate, they reportedly kill up to 50 people each year. Their giant stingers capable of piercing a beekeeper's suit. While its sting is dangerous for beekeepers, it is a much bigger threat to honeybees that are crucial to the U.S. food supply. Just a few hornets can slaughter an entire honeybee hive in just hours. Populations of U.S. honeybees have already declined by more than 40% over recent years due to colony collapse disorder, which is linked to pesticides. Bee experts say it is imperative to eradicate this invasive hornet before it spreads to the rest of the continent because honeybees pollinate more than 90 vital food crops.
1: I swear to God, if the murder hornets are responsible for my tomatoes not fruiting so far this year, I'm going to murder those hornets. <laughs>
2: (laughs) Okay, Some big climate news. The European Union's climate monitoring service, Copernicus, announced that April 2020 is tied with 2016 for the hottest April ever recorded globally since record keeping began in the 1880s. NASA and NOAA are likely to announce similar conclusions in coming weeks. The new record hot April means 2020 is almost guaranteed to be one of the top two hottest years ever recorded.
1: Yeah, whatever. We've got murder hornets now.
2: That heat, however, has consequences in Siberia. The boreal forest is already burning at a rate not seen in 10,000 years, with more than 5 million acres ablaze, and it's not even summer yet. The fires are releasing even more climate-warming CO2, in turn triggering more heat and triggering more fires. In the Amazon rainforest, experts warned this week that because of drought and a 50% increase in logging over last year, the Amazon is on course for a severe fire season. Mm. And carbon dioxide levels measured at the Mauna Loa Observatory in Hawaii hit 418 parts per million in the atmosphere this month. That's the highest level in at least 3 million years.
1: I'm sorry, I'm still on the murder hornets continue.
2: A disturbing new study warns that because of man-made global warming, many densely populated parts of the world could be too hot for humans within the next 50 years. The researchers warn that unless governments act to transition away from fossil fuels, the world's habitable climate zone, in which humanity has thrived for 6,000 years, will shift so much by 2070 that 3 billion people will either have to move to cooler regions or adapt to extreme. Extreme heat conditions. That shift will also bring water shortages, crop failures, and extreme heat waves that could trigger mass migrations. The biggest projected population growth is expected to be in regions that will see the greatest increase in dangerous heat. Uncle. Finally, some good news. Big Oil's net zero club is getting bigger, at least in Europe. On Tuesday, the French multinational oil and gas giant Total said it is joining European oil companies Shell and BP in setting an ambitious target to reach net zero emissions by 2050. Now, critics note that all of these European oil majors' plans are vague, but the targets do signal a big shift in strategy for billions of dollars in capital investments and would have been unheard of just a few years ago.
1: What kind of world is it when we have to turn to the oil companies for our good news? For much more on all of these stories, and the ones we couldn't get to, believe it or not, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com, if you dare. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. (laughs) Yes! It's terrifying! (laughs) It's horrible. It's awful. Oh, my God. Scary music. Everything is horrible. Everything is terrible. That was peak GNR as far as I'm concerned. I cannot believe there is not one good news. Well, there is, I guess, the oil stories. But uh, again, if you gotta count on oil companies for your good news, we are so screwed, Desi Dwyer. <laughs> so screwed. I hope uh, people did not hear that. I warned you not to listen to it. Uh, it's uh, the world is too intense right now with everything that's going on. So well, that, are you trying that's to the hide, last thing you need. Are
2: you trying to hide the numbers from people so that they can't see the like truth. the Republicans do?
1: I'm pretending it away. I have learned. I have learned my lesson. That. That's how you're supposed to do it. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. I hope it was not too intense or horrible. If you missed any portion of today's show and you want, or you just want to relive all the fun and fear, you can download it anytime at bradblog.com. That is made possible, as is this show made possible, by those of you who support our work by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate to make a one-time donation or an automated monthly donation. It is all greatly appreciated. It is the only thing that keeps us on the air. Which may or may not be a good thing. We'll let you decide. You can drop me email if you want. I am bradcast at bradblog.com On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the BradBlog. We will see you there until we see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world! (laughs) No. <laughs>